Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddy Dobbs. I think this is the first podcast I've done since knowing that my Triumph Bonneville is technically a write-off. And I went out for a ride yesterday with a lovely guy called Danny with a beautiful Harley-Davidson Softail Slim. And we stopped off at a couple of places. One was Gold Top, England. It's this brilliant, brilliant retro, really old school feeling uh, motorbike clothing store. I think they were founded in 1951. So we went on a lovely ride into the countryside. And it's in this beautiful old building. And they sell really nice quality leathers. But the kind of leathers that you get from the, the cafe racer glory years of the 50s and 60s just so so well done and after that we we carried on we rode over to harley davidson dealership this whole day i was following danny behind on his lovely harley davidson Softail slim you know and in the back of my mind i know i know the bonneville's a write-off and it's funny how it changes your mentality because nothing on the bike has changed nothing since two weeks ago before I knew that it was a write-off nothing you know it's exactly the same bike there's nothing wrong with it technically apart from the fact now that I know it's a write-off and it's funny how your mind kind of plays around with you plays games with you with this kind of thing how does it make me feel you know knowing I've got a bike that's been written off does it affect me in any way at all I, I would like to say it doesn't affect me in any way. Maybe it does a bit. That's the truth. You know, we went to a Harley-Davidson dealership just after we went to Gold Top. And I, you know, I went in and oh, I don't know if it's that I know that the Bonneville is technically a write-off or that I'm like a child. And every time I go into a motorcycle dealership, I just cannot help myself. There have a lot of tempting bikes out there. And... Yeah, I know some people really don't like the idea of finance, but, you know, you've always got those finance options, which makes things quite interesting. There was a Softail Slim, for example, one of my dream bikes, really beautiful. I think it's about £14,000 new. You know, bikes really are getting expensive now, something. £14,000 new. This is pretty much the base model, Harley-Davidson Softail. I'm sure it was fourteen grand. this one I was looking at. I think you pay around about a £3,000 deposit. And then for about three years, you pay about £200 a month, something like that. And then you've got this one final balloon payment at the end of that, which is about £7,000. And I think in total, you end up paying about £16,000. You know, it's still a lot of money, but those, those finance payments do make it quite interesting. I think I'm content. What I'm trying to say is I think I'm content for now, I think, knowing the Bonneville was a write-off. doesn't change anything. just need to kind of calm down and get my head around that. Uh, but it did get me thinking about what options are there out there if I want to save a bit of money? Should I be looking at some legal write-off bikes? I'll get to that in a second. There's a bit of news I want to get to first, but I will come back to that because I found something out that's quite interesting. Have a listen to this in the meantime. This is an article I read about about a week ago. The title is 
and this is from This Is Money, the title, Old Cars Are Putting Road Users At Risk, Halford's Boss Claims As The UK Now Has The Oldest Car Fleet In Its History. Soaring living costs are putting road users at risk, Halford's Boss has warned. The UK has the oldest car fleet in its history and hard-pressed owners are keeping vehicles going uh, that risk safety. Uh, the chief executive of the motoring and cycling retailer Halford said yesterday, cars across the country are on average 8.7 years old. That's more than a year older than a decade ago. So that's very interesting. Cars are 8.7 years old on average now. So the average person will have an eight and a half year old car. Now that's interesting enough in itself. But what's the most interesting, something that I fell off my chair with because I was so amazed at this, the next sentence, I continue. The average scrappage age of a car, meanwhile, is 13 years. And there are 8.4 million, or almost a quarter of all cars, running past that age. So the average age of scrapping a car is 13 years. For me, that just seems incredibly, incredibly young. 13 years is not much. The, the Fiat 500 that we've got, you know, that's 13 years old. That's a car that's got a tiny engine that's been abused all of its life, that hasn't been looked after, that's not designed to do big mileage, yet it's happily ticking along with 193,000 miles and it's 13 years old. I don't think I'd dream of scrapping it. You know, you get the, the executive German saloons, the Jags of this world. It's a lot of money to spend, 60, 70k on a lot of these cars, to know that after 13 years it could be scrapped. And I'm curious, are they scrapped because people just like chopping and changing their cars so much? Are they scrapped because their engines have blown up? Or are they scrapped because they're just too technological? They're just too, they're too complicated. Just way, way too complicated. Because I've never had a car. No, I've had one really atrocious car. I've said it before. A smart car with a 0.8 litre diesel engine. The stupidest mistake I've ever made in my life. Mercedes should be sued forever, ever putting a 0.8 litre diesel in that. And I know there are huge problems. I went onto all the forms after that engine blew up. My point is, I've only ever had one engine blow up on a vehicle, on a car or motorbike, only one. And I have had some of the ropiest cars and motorbikes you could possibly, possibly ever imagine. 15 owner vehicles, 130,000 plus miles, ropey. But in my experience, Engines don't blow up. You know, cars don't just, not anymore anyway, they don't die where you have to send them off to the scrapyard. And I'm talking from experience. I've had about 20 cars and six motorbikes. Only one, only one, that awful smart car has, has ever been sent to the scrapyard. And I don't even know if it's sent to the scrapyard. Maybe someone fixed it, but a dealer bought it off me saying, yeah, it, it'll be, you know, the engine's done. The engine's blown up. But that's just one. And, and an average of 13 years. Uh, that's, 
that it must be that cars are just way, way too complicated now. It must be the case. And the same goes for motorbikes as well. Because I can't think of any other reason. Vehicles are getting better all the time. Yeah, that's a scarily low uh, scrappage age. You know, I was talking to... Uh, I was talking to a, a guy this this past week and he had... What was it he's got? Oh, that's it, that's it. I was talking to uh, a guy... In fact, it was, I think it was uh, the guy I went for a ride with, Danny, with the this Harley-Davidson Softail Slim. Um, and we're just chatting about reliability of bikes in general. Danny was saying to me, you know, he was on a forum um, about Triumph, Triumph Bobbers. You know, apparently there, they can be plagued with issues, electrical issues and things like that. And then you can be hit with, you know, a thousand pound bill, something like that. There's still a big problem in the automotive industry with getting reliable electronics. Still a really big problem in my mind. Let me move on and get to the next point. And this is something that now carries on from knowing my, my Bonneville has been a write-off. Category N and Category S vehicles. This is what I want to look at. The cost and other bargains and what's the argument for and against. So this is how it works in the UK, just for any non-Brits. There are effectively four different categories of write-off. And a write-off basically means it's an uneconomical repair. Your vehicle is an uneconomical repair. It's not worth fixing it. You may as well send it to a scrapyard because it is not worth spending the money fixing it. You've got two legal categories where you are allowed to repair your vehicle and put it back on the road. And that is N and S, November and Sierra. N is non-structural, meaning there's nothing structurally that's wrong with it. Just, for example, may need, uh, may need a new, I think a new tank would be okay, new wing mirrors, new exhaust. But if you start getting down to a bent frame, for example, then that's structural. Um, so you've got category N, non-structural, and then category S, that's structural. That's, there is something wrong structurally with the vehicle. So now I know I've got uh, a vehicle that's category N, non-structural. I thought, well, it rides fine. Let me go on to Autotrader and let me see if I can put a filter in on Autotrader to see, can I actually put a filter on of vehicles only that have been category N and category S, i.e. I don't want to see any vehicles that have a clean history. I only want to see vehicles that have been a write-off and you can do it. Go on to Autotrader, click on the bike section and then, and then you click other search criteria, the button that says other search criteria, click on that, you'll get the drop down menu. And then if you go down to the bottom, it will say what category of vehicle. It will say category S, C, D, and N. And I've said, I want to see, you can choose include vehicles that are category S, C, D, and N, or exclude category S, C, D, and N, or, or, only show category S, C, D, and N. So that's what I clicked. Let's have a look and see. 
Okay, if I put, for example, this is this is fascinating. If I put the price lowest first, you're going to get exactly what you expect. Quite a few of the, the boy race uh, 125cc bikes. But if I put the most expensive bike first, this is where things get interesting because this is where we get to dream motorcycle territory. How much can we save if we're looking at dream bikes that have been written off? And the first one that that appeals to me is a Harley Davidson Softail Slim that's been category N, so non-structural. So there's nothing really wrong with it. So long as they've, you know, put a new tank on it probably, then it's totally fine. And this is a 2014 Harley Davidson Softail Slim. Looks absolutely superb, all in black. Looks brilliant. No one to the untrained eye would ever, ever know it's been a write-off. And it's £11,990. Now, let me tell you what an equivalent would be that's been, that has a clean history, that's never been a write-off. Let's have a look. So, Harley-Davidson Softail, and then I go to Slim, type that into the keywords, press search. I'll do year as well, 20, 2014, to keep it about the same year. Now, the cheapest from 2014, Harley-Davidson Softail Slim is... £13,890 for the cheapest. The cheapest that has no history of being written off, 13890 But, you know, if, if I'm looking at one, all black, because I think black would be the one that sells most, you're looking at 2014 model, 3,900 miles on the clock, £14,000. Whereas I can get one that actually, to be honest, looks a little bit better for 11,990, so 12,000. You're saving roughly, roughly 2,000 pounds saving there for a write-off. 2,000 pounds. I think it's, it's a tempting proposition if you look at it from that respect. Let me do one more because there's a bike that's always close to my heart. There's a BMW BMW. There's a Triumph Bonneville T100 here, lovely with a white and blue tank, 2018 model. And this is £7,700 for a 2018 Triumph Bonneville T100. OK, let's have a look at what I can find here. So I'm putting the parameter of 2018 and I'm doing now Bonnevilles with a fresh history. There's no, no write-off at all. Okay, let's have a look. Okay, that's fine. And I'll remove the word slim. And I will do triumph. It sounds like it's possibly on the more expensive side, this one. Okay, here we go. Have a, have a listen to this. Triumph Bonneville T100s with no history of being written off from 2018, you're looking at £6,995 for a lovely looking one with 2,700 miles on the clock. 
6,995. So that's 800 pounds cheaper. So you can get a, a really beautiful one with low mileage for 800 pounds cheaper than this is being advertised for 7,700 pounds. I think that's overpriced. It is coming from a Triumph dealer. It is coming from a Triumph dealer. I think that's overpriced. I think, you know, that's a lot, that 7,700 pounds for a four-year-old one, Triumph T100 that's been written off. No, I think that's gonna be a hard sell. I don't think people are going to be jumping at that, knowing that you can get one with a clean history for less. I think that's a bit much. Try it, the Harley Davidson's tempting. That's a bit too much. Um, lovely Triumph Thunderbird here. Triumph Thunderbird, 1600 for 17 for 7,000 pounds. Let me just check one more page, see if there's anything else interesting. I tell you what I'll do, one more search. I'm going to do private ads only. Let's just see if there's anything interesting privately. Is there a bargain to be had? Triumph Street Triple, 765. And that's £5,200. That's a good deal. That's a very good deal. £5,200 for a three-year-old Triumph Street Triple. That's a very tempting deal. Triumph Daytona. There's a lot of interesting stuff. Triumph Tiger 800, 2011 model, Cat D. And that's £4,000. Okay, have a look. That's, there's a lot of fun to be had there checking auto trade and putting on write-off vehicles. I'll move on now because I could spend all day looking at that. I continue. This is quite interesting because someone wrote in to me, um, you know, when you're looking at motorbikes, a lot of the time your dream bike will be the other side of the country. Uh, and it's often, and I've had this problem, extremely difficult actually going to pick up your bike unless you've got a friend or someone who can actually drive you up to the other side of the country, you know, and then you jump out and they head off and you ride the bike back. But sometimes it's not possible to get someone to, to dedicate, you know, nine hours to get, for example, from Brighton to Scotland uh, and then drive back again. You could be looking at two days and the cost of staying somewhere overnight, all of the fuel, all of the food and eating out, stuff like that. So Cal sent me over an email, and this is quite interesting. I genuinely consider this in the future. Freddie, here we go. Recently bought my first bike, a Bullet Hunt 125 from eBay to run around uh, on with a CBT until I'm more competent. I want to share about a courier service I used called Shipley. Uh, this isn't sponsored or anything, I just found it interesting. I purchased the bike from someone near Birmingham and I, uh, I live near Glasgow so it was going to be a 370 mile drive with a rental van to collect the vehicle, to rental van to collect the bike. I posted this service I needed on Shipley and within 10 to 15 minutes I had over five couriers bidding to win the contract to deliver my bike. Anyway. Final price came in at £218 all in, whereas renting a van for the day was £100 alone. Then the cost of fuel for a 700 mile round trip, 
my guess, top of my head, you're going to be looking at at least £100 fuel, surely, for that. So you're up to £200. Then you've got food expenses and having to secure the bike in the van alone would have been insanely more. Just thought I'd share this website as I have a friend who has used it multiple times and it opens up bikes to buyers looking to purchase further afield. Thank you for sharing that, Cal. That is a very good piece of advice for people. Shipley, S-H-I-P-L-Y. £218 for a 700-mile-plus round trip. That could potentially take two days, actually. So that is a very good way of opening up the entire UK for for looking for vehicles because especially when the weather gets cold it's it's a long way up to scotland if you're looking to pick up a bike and funnily enough the good value bikes often scotland has a lot of good value bikes on ebay and auto traders so that is something i'll look at more right i'm moving on or going back a bit here to to write off vehicles because and apologies, I've completely forgot to save your name. Um, have a listen to this. Someone messaged. Hello, you two. Well, what a surprise you had finding out about the Bonneville. All I can add is that it was non, it was a non-structural write-off. And that means that the cost to repair the damage that was more than 50% of the bike's value at the time. Therefore, the insurance just write it off and offer it back to the owner for a pittance and the then owner buys it and repairs it at their own expense and then normally sells it on. I had the same issue with one of my Toyota Starlets where a car cut me up at a roundabout, then braked hard and I ran into her. She admitted liability, but as the car was only worth £1,000 at the time and it required a new bonnet, and headlight, they wrote it off and I bought it back for £150, got a second-hand bonnet from the scrapyard along with a headlamp, uh, headlamp for £100, my mate fitted it for 50 and then I had to take it to a government test centre to check it over and they issued me with a safe-to-use certificate for £40. I then kept the car for another two years until it reached 150,000 miles and required about £500 spending on it. So went to uh, Whip Street Motors in Ipswich, uh, and they gave me £50 for scrap. It makes me wonder, actually, if you go to, for example, a scrap yard, a breaker's yard, <coughs> a lot of the time there isn't much wrong with with vehicles that get written off, it's quite eye-opening. They will write off a vehicle. For example, my Bonneville, it could just have been the tank and the exhaust that were damaged. But if a tank from Triumph, let's say is 800 pounds, and the exhaust, let's say is 700 pounds, and the bike's only worth 3,000 pounds, well then it's it's one and a half thousand pounds for parts, and that means it's 50% of the value of the vehicle. So it will be a write-off. So it could be a write-off for just needing a new tank and a new exhaust. So that's a write-off. There you go. The bike is gone. But we all know that you can just go to a breaker's yard or go onto eBay and pick up a tank, let's say, for £100 and an exhaust maybe for £120. So you spent let's say £220 to get your bike back to genuinely 
as good as it was before a crash, yet it's still got that, for the rest of its life, tarnished with the fact that it's been a write-off, yet actually there really genuinely is nothing wrong with the bike. It's just as good, just as solid as as a bike that's never been legally written off. Should we be looking more at these written off bikes as a great bargain? Is it something that should scare us off at all? You know, maybe it's, it's a vanity thing more than anything. Look, I mean, I'm not proud saying, yes, I've got a, a write-off bike that I ride around. It's not something to be proud of. But, but is it something in the same way to be, you know, feel like you have to hide? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's not so bad. It's very polarising, this. I've had every single angle of people, you know, people saying, Freddie, it's no big deal at all. It's just non-structural. I always buy non-structural. Then other people saying, Freddie, this is very serious. All angles. Hmm. I'll move on. Um, oh, this is this is in response to Americans wearing uh, protective biking gear or lack of. Hi, Freddie, and I'll I'll keep this anonymous um, because I enjoy these kinds of kinds of comments because they always generate they always generate polarizing opinions so i'll keep it anonymous but listen to this it's 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 good hearing every american's opinion and you do in america more than any other country in the world get polarizing opinions of safety gear some absolutely no need to wear any safety gear no helmet nothing at all you get the freedom of wearing no safety gear at all and that is their idea of heaven and then you get the other side who are just as safety conscious as probably us in Europe in reality we're some of the safest um, so here we go hi Freddie we we call these old rebels riding their 30k Harley baggers geezer gliders statistically it's the old US riders that fail to employ proper safety gear and additionally some states don't require helmets post one year riding experience my that's fascinating. My neurologist MD friend bluntly states this phenomenon helps with patients needing transplant parts. Very sad cowboy biker mentality. My rides always include showy full face helmet, rocker boots, hood jeans, uber expensive climb riding jacket and gloves. US kids riding big CC Japanese bikes with a, few, uh, with a false sense of invincibility are often victims of motor vehicle fatalities. Why, have, uh, why we behave in this rebel manner defies common sense logic. Maybe it's a guy thing. Additionally, most US state, states also have strict annual motor vehicle inspection requirements. Why New Jersey doesn't is beyond common sense yet again we can be a cowboy country sometimes uh, yet right there when Ukraine needs a big brother thank you yeah and there it is isn't it it's, it's the polarizing it's it's that polarizing thing with with biking gear always generates an interesting conversation I want to just wrap up with one thing um, moving on again uh, I had a Motoguzzi V85 TT for the day. I went to this lovely dealership in Stowmarket called Motor Technics just, just four days ago, uh, last minute. 
I said to them, because I was badly planned this week now, so I'm doing the podcast late, um, so apologies, everything's been horribly planned, but I, I messaged this motorbike dealership, literally on, I think it was Tuesday night, uh, and I said, please, 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 can I borrow a bike and come and just do a little bit of filming in your dealership, because uh, I've, uh, yeah, I basically just want to test out a bike. It's been a while since I've tested one and I just became desperate to test a bike. And they said, of course, pop down. So I went down, did a bit of filming in the dealership and then they gave me a Moto Guzzi V85 TT. And it's only the second Moto Guzzi I've ever ridden. The first one, of course, the, the V7. Um, and it does get me thinking, you know, these are, these are beautiful, characterful bikes. There are better bikes on the market, of course. But is it time to get something slightly left field? It, I, I found myself liking this bike more and more. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to see the price of these because these are a bike that could do it all, the V85 TT. It came out three years ago. For me, it's a stunning looking bike. It's the only adventure bike I look at and I really, really, really desperately want. I found myself in a forest, just stopping and looking at it, just parked up. It's so purposeful. I love, I love the, the almost extrovert styling of it. It's beautiful, that V-twin air-cooled engine. So, so much, just, Ah, Italian character. I love it. So if I go on Motoguzzi V85, there were 41 available. I should say it's a bit of a polarizing bike. A lot of people like it, appreciate it, but a lot of people say, you know, Motoguzzi, they don't have the finest uh, reliability record, um, but it seems to be there are equally as many people who are hugely passionate about it and love it as people who are kind of a little bit unsure about it. Um, okay, here we go. What do we have? Moto Guzzi V85. The cheapest one right now, bear in mind they're about £11,200 brand new. What does two years do? Well, two years drops the price from 11200 down to about £8,000. So they do actually hold their value quite well. You still need to fork out eight grand or so for one of these. Eight grand, it's, it's still tempting though. Hmm. Okay, that's food for thought, 8,000 pounds. I've set myself a budget of around about that much. If I were to consider, if I were to consider another bike and the V85 TT, yeah, would probably be tentatively in the shortlist. I will keep you posted if I get a little bit more serious with that, but lovely bike. If you're in the market for an adventure bike but you want the retro styling, give one a test because they are left field, they're unusual, you don't see many of them around, and they've got that very special feeling that Motor Guzzi does give you. It's, it's a special brand. I'm a big fan. Right, I'll end it there. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. Um, I'm heading off. What am I doing? I was, I was hoping to go on a ride, actually, but I'm heading off for three days in Cornwall. So we're, we're leaving in about 10 hours. So I need to get packed up because I've got about a nine-hour drive. Have a brilliant week, everyone, and I will speak to you all in the next one.